Okay, we're back. Hey, sorry guys, but we are really back. <laughs> yeah. Listen, when we say we're gonna take a week off, you gotta expect that there's gonna be like two or three weeks of leeway in there. Yes, absolutely, because things just come up and then we just kind of have to deal with that. But we we always will return. So no eventually. Worries. Yeah, eventually. <laughs> But we are back with a mini show and we are finally getting into the originals. Yes, I'm so psyched about the originals because I can finally watch Elijah, my, <laughs> one of my favorite characters. Sam thinks it's silly, but she knows I love Elijah. <laughs> Listen, I will say both Elijah and Rebecca look a lot better in the originals than they did in the Vampire Diaries. They do. I yeah. think my issue with Rebecca in the Vampire Diaries was just her eyebrows were too light. Oh so, yeah, and they were thin. Yeah, so she kind of just looked dumb all the time. <laughs> but she looks a lot better now. She actually looks like she has an expression. Yes. <laughs> That's good. And then they fixed Elijah's hair problem, it seems. Yeah, looks better now. Uh, but yeah, uh, the originals takes place during the same time frame as the Vampire Diaries. Uh, I, I'll have to look into when it started to know exactly which season of Vampire Diaries it started in, mm -hmm. yeah. but uh, set in New Orleans, New Orleans, Nolans, yeah, if you will. Nolans, yeah, I like that. <laughs> I both like, but I don't know if the show is using it to its full potential yet. We are only 11 episodes into season one, mm -hmm. but Nolans has like a real yeah. <laughs> actual supernatural history to it. Unlike yeah. Mystic Falls, which just it's old. It just it exists. It, it's made up. <laughs> yeah. Um, but right now my issue with them using Nolans as the backdrop is it's controlled by vampires. Yeah. When it should be controlled by witches. <laughs> yes. Yes. Voodoo queens is what yeah. we need, not a bunch of witches or a bunch of vampires. <laughs> it's yeah. kind of weird. So to me, it's interesting that the vampire Marcel is kind of the leader of the supernatural underground in New Orleans and controls all the witches when really in this reality, witches keep getting the short end, the end of the stick, which is fine, but not in New Orleans where it yeah. is just filled with voodoo and witch history. Yeah, it should be the other way around. The witches should be controlling the vampires. Yeah, which- What is it with witches? Why don't they like them? I don't know. And <laughs> I think that would make for a much inter more interesting um, narrative. Like, mm -hmm. uh, I'm fine with the originals helping found Nolans. That's that's fine, whatever. <laughs> yeah. But I think it should have been them working with the witches and then Klaus comes back and the vampires are being treated as like a subcategory of supernatural creatures. And then instead of working against Marcel to claim turf or whatever yeah. they're working together to fight the witches that'd be cool and that might be <laughs> the direction they end up going with in the latter half of the season because with episode 11 we're introduced to the final baddie of mm -hmm. the season which is celeste elijah's ex-girlfriend yeah <laughs> um and uh how many seasons are there in the originals? Are there? There's five. There's five. Okay. So yeah. it's, it's a bit more manageable than Vampire Diaries. So we could get that direction. If not in this season, then we still have time to get there. If, if mm -hmm. that's 
something that could happen, which sounds like an excellent idea, in my opinion. Who knows if it will happen, but it'd be great if it did. Yeah. Um, and I think I think that's pretty much it right now is we're being introduced to this new world. There's a little bit of drama with the church going on. Right. Which yeah. I, I always thought that was my favorite part of one of the uh, latter seasons of the Vampire Diaries was the first half of the season where the church was the bad guy. Mm-hmm. Like that's always just a really cool concept in these vampire shows. And I don't think Vampire Diaries did enough with it. Yeah. So I hope we're going to get more of that with the originals. I think so too. Yeah, that is really cool. And I do agree with you though, that there, it's really not New Orleansy if that makes sense, because mm-hmm. we are in New Orleans, we see like one parade, we do discuss New Orleans, but like, I'm not catching that vibe, Sam, and you're so right, it's not being used to the full potential, I hope they get there yeah. soon. I will say, I like the soundtrack a lot. Yeah, this series. <laughs> it's that um kind of outlaw country folk stuff, and I'm yeah. very into that. You like that? Okay, excellent. Yeah, well, good. But is it is it New Orleansy? I think there needs to be more jazz. Jazz. I was like, it's got to be jazzy and like bluesy, right? Mm-hmm. And like and like kind of unhinged, right? So there's really cool stuff that I they they might like get there after the first season because I feel like the first season they're like testing the waters to see what they can do, and then maybe it'll be yeah. refined. Yeah, because yeah. right now they're probably very constrained to what they're able to do with and keep the vampire diary fans you don't want to break the mold too much and lose your built-in fan base yeah you're exactly right I didn't even consider that because what if some people this might not be their cup of tea this kind of a theme Mm -hmm. it is still vampires but it's different kind of thing so yeah you're absolutely right and I would also title the show everybody hates Klaus I can't wait to just talk about Klaus for a minute because he's just a fucking psychopath. He's a psychopath, <laughs> but, they, but he's yeah. trying to just like live his life and everybody's like, we need to kill Klaus. <laughs> the funny thing is like, I'll, okay, so everybody complains about Klaus. Klaus does act like a goddamn maniac, but then people go to the extreme and they're like, well, we need to kill Klaus because that will make our irritation go <laughs> Yeah. And also make Klaus go away forever. So it's just like, guys. Oh, so that's that's a very funny element. And it's it's just it's it's just a show. So I'm okay with it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they are vampires, so it's okay to go to that extreme, but it, it but like Sam said, cracks me up. But yeah, everybody hates Klaus, but they're all dealing with him because even though everybody wants to kill him, nobody's doing it. Yeah, they're not doing it. And then something happens where they kind of all come around. And then by the end of the episode, there's some type of a reconciliation or a resolution. And they're like, you know what? Klaus is my family and therefore he can't die. And I feel like at the beginning of the next episode, they wanted to die again. And by the end, they realize they are related still. And so therefore he cannot. Mm-hmm. It's always like this underlying theme of like family is forever. Um and they have this legacy to uphold and, and things like that. So no matter how awful Klaus is or how he acts like a maniac, mm-hmm. um, they can't. he just can't die. They won't kill him. <laughs> but it keeps the tension. That's like the one thing of tension that they, they have happening here. 
Mm -hmm. Exactly. But (laughs) I'm excited to see how all of this ends up kind of tying into the overarching vampire diaries world. Mm -hmm. Because I mean, it has to have some overlap in other areas, you know, with Catherine's Uh death coming up in a season or two vampire diaries world where that ties in and then the time jump that happens in the vampire diaries how that's going to affect shit going on in new orleans yeah that's actually interesting and i was going to ask if you thought that they might have any i think we mentioned this before in an earlier episode but if you think that they're going to have any actors from the vampire diaries kind of come and guest star on a couple episodes I think they will because we did already kind of have that crossover happen in season seven when Stefan went to Klaus right? when the vampire hunter was coming after them. Yeah, 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 yeah. you're right. So there was that little <laughs> crossover. And I mean, I they have to have Caroline, right? She's the love of Klaus's life. I know. And I really, that just delights me. So I really do hope that that starts to happen now that we basically know that Elijah is practically in love with the wolf girl. Yeah, Klaus's baby mama. Yeah, I don't know why I'm forgetting her name. Uh, It's Haley. (laughs) Haley, that's it. Probably because it's so plain. (laughs) Um, yeah, she's so for, she's so forgettable. But um, she like she was very forgettable in the Vampire Diaries. I'm starting to warm up to her now, only because Elijah has chosen her. Yeah, <laughs> my my it. issue with Haley is she looks like every other white girl with brown hair that's ever been in any of these series. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so there's nothing that really stands her apart maybe they yeah. should have given her more of a visible pregnancy bump though I don't know how far along she is at the start of the series yeah you're right she is very she's like doesn't have any like striking looking th- they should have just kept her accent and then that would have made her stand apart because she's Australian mm-hmm. so I don't know but um And I also agree that she doesn't have a very big baby bump, but if you're like a, like a hybrid or like a werewolf, don't you think that, I don't know, I don't know if this is too much Twilight thinking, but wouldn't they get pregnant super fast or like, it'd be a different process. That's an interesting point. And because she's a hybrid, having a hybrid baby, which is part werewolf, would she have the gestational period of a human or a dog? Right. Like, and a dog would be like within months, right? A couple months. Mm Mm-hmm. And like, maybe would she have a bunch of babies or just one baby? Mm. <laughs> like a litter. These are the important habits. questions. <laughs> I know. Oh, and then Tyler fucking shows up for like two oh, episodes yeah. and then disappears when his neck gets snapped. You know what? I don't know why Tyler is around anymore. Honestly, he's just. to For a nice little Vampire Diaries crossover, like, hey, I recognize yeah. that guy. Oh yeah, you know what, Sam? I feel so silly because I, I literally just asked you if there was going to be a crossover and yeah. it happened and I just- No, you're <laughs> fine. Tyler's forgettable. <laughs> Who is more forgettable, Tyler or Haley? They're practically made for each other. Yeah. Oh, geez. <laughs> so um, that happened. Um, and then the other, the other major character. Okay, so tell me if you think- that this person is actually spoiler alert dead completely dead and won't come back is that which that marcel was kind of like uh like 
letting her live with him yeah he was uh protecting because she's like the strongest witch ever ever. born (laughs) um that's a good question because her death came as kind of a shock to me because they've set her up to be such an important character and she's dead by episode 11 yeah legit she just died and then I was like oh all right well is she gonna return like the prophecy says and yeah it didn't seem to work I mean it's possible she will and she just can't because of Celeste yeah but if she doesn't that'll be a bummer because she was cute (laughs) she was cute and they set her up to be like this big badass but then she just dies because she's sad her boyfriend died I know and it sucks because she had so many cool little things about her character like she was like an artist and she could like draw out how she was feeling with her like spells and like she could do spells and but she was also just like a teenager and she was very like friendly and kind and she wasn't like a witch who like she couldn't control her powers but she but she had control of her emotions and stuff it was just like she was pretty good now she uh has died oh she was sacrificed but willingly I don't know that's this whole thing with the witches is very interesting because I like that it ties into like history and lore Mm -hmm. and um you know like uh, heritage but also it seems like they're trying to set up the witch coven as almost like a cult in a weird way too and you have to question is that the right thing to do because there's kind of two sides to it like yes it's the right thing but also it's the wrong thing because you're doing the sacrifice so that's kind of an interesting like culty element I noticed there yeah um like yeah I describe it but I'm having I, I don't think I'll be able to find the words today mm-hmm. no you're <laughs> fine uh, but I think that's a pretty good wrap up of the first half of season one of the originals let's go ahead and discuss what movie will we we will be reviewing Sam, bless you and bless Jesus, because I hadn't even thought about discussing what it should be, nor praying to Jesus about what it would be, because it's just been so busy over here. So bless you if you've chosen the movie. Oh, yeah, I I was. um, (laughs) Yeah, it's going to be the number six in movies today on Netflix. Uh, Choose or die. Choose or die. Oh, excellent. Can you give me a quick little description of that i sure can right (laughs) tempted by a chance to win unclaimed prize money two friends reboot a mysterious 1980s video game excuse me and step into a surreal world of next level terror oh my god excuse me (laughs) that's okay i have the hiccups this is the real horror show is when you discuss such a cursed film that it will actually physically affect you and you can't speak of it Uh, this movie is suspenseful. Good. Fuck. <laughs> oh, um, okay. Wait, are you on Netflix? I could, I could pick it up. I'll pick it okay, up. Okay, you pick it up for two minutes while I go get my water. Okay, go get your water. All right, so yeah, this is suspenseful. I'm not seeing the other... Uh, descriptor words but yes it looks like this just came out 2022 it's an hour and 25 minute runtime and it looks like one of my favorite actors is in it who is asa butterfield and i don't know if any of our listeners are sex education fans which is a fabulous show on netflix but he is in the starring role in that show 
So this looks fabulous. It looks like Robert England, our beloved Freddy Krueger, is part of the cast. So there's nothing that will ever go wrong with this movie, probably. It seems fabulous. It has a pretty good rating so far. And you know what? You never know with these ratings, okay? They could have low ratings on here, but Sam and I might freaking love it. So that's that. It, oh, it's a British horror film. Fabulous. So nobody has to suppress any accents. I love it. Okay. I'm back. Are you back? Excellent. <laughs> All right. Let me think of what else there is to talk about. I had my play premiere. That's why we were gone. Yes. That went incredible. Mm -hmm. The college was so nice to me that put it on. It was a pretty sizable premiere in terms of where I'm at in my career. Mm -hmm. uh, the yeah. cast was phenomenal. They were so sweet. Um, super talented bunch of kids. They really liked the play, which is super nice because I wrote this particular play New Year's Eve at the stop and go for this age group, yeah. you know, the high school to college age range. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so they really liked that because they could just kind of be themselves and really put themselves into the characters, which is what I want. Yeah, it makes it so authentic. That's exactly what you want. That's great. Yeah. And I want to talk about, because I feel like as a reviewer, I can comment on this. Yes, definitely. The day before my play premiere, a new review for Turbo Cola, which is the movie that this play um not based on but the movie yeah that was adapted from my play yes I don't really care about the reviews they're good they're fine good for them um just as long as they remember that no matter what their movie will forever be based on my play yeah um right now they're behaving themselves so there's no reason for me to drag them through the mud however <laughs> I will drag this movie reviewer through the mud because he is the editor-in-chief of this website so he should know better i'm about to look at this right now <laughs> so the only thing i'm mad about is he had the audacity to say uh even though this movie is based on a play it doesn't feel like one because the director had the brilliancy to take the action from the stage and set it in a convenience store and i'm sitting here one as the screenwriter to mm -hmm. as the playwright of the original source material mm -hmm. the first sentence of my play is the lights go up on a 7-eleven-esque convenience store <laughs> <laughs> the play is set in a convenience store so david my loving fiance called him out on this in the comments and he said well i can't really comment on the play because i haven't seen it then don't fucking comment on the play <laughs> Like, I, we might be guilty of doing this, but usually when we're reviewing something that's based on another piece of media, we're pretty good about saying, well, we haven't seen the original, so I don't know X, Y, Z. Or when we're doing a Bollywood horror film, we'll acknowledge we're not super familiar with this culture. So this might be more applicable to that culture, but still it's, you don't, you don't have to comment on something when you don't know all the details. Exactly. Oh my goodness. And it's also exactly. like, so the review came out, I mean, 
I, the book, the play is published on Amazon for anyone interested in reading it. Mm-hmm. Um, but even still, it's also kind of free on my personal website, which I don't advertise because I haven't bought a domain for it yet. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's linked through my new play exchange. So if you just Google my name, the first link that comes up is my new play exchange. You go to my website, you go to my plays. There is a 20 page sample in which you can review the first 20 pages of the play. So like as an editor, as a writer, I have two degrees in this shit. Mm -hmm. I know that when you review something or write anything, you always check your facts so you don't sound like a dumbass. So I'm just... arguably more mad about it than I should be but the fact that this critic gave so much credit to the director for the authenticity of the characters and their relationships and setting it in a convenience store when all of that is me yes the only thing the director added to the script was the heist plot yeah yeah the (laughs) bulk majority of relationships the authenticity well the authenticity you can really credit to the actors like I said with my play premiere Mm -hmm. and to an extent the direction film is a director's medium however now that I'm on the writer side of it I'm just I'm annoyed because like the all of that comes from me and my source material yeah so fucking give me credit where it's due exactly Oh my goodness. This Go like my name is even first in the writing credits of the movie. Yeah. So anyway, I'm kind of done containing my <laughs> annoyance towards my treatment in this whole movie process. Mm-hmm. Um, so I may speak more openly about it. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm glad that you're you are. Um, because this review is I don't know if this is a a good comparison, but it'd be the equivalent of Sam and I reviewing a film that we didn't watch, Mm -hmm. just the trailer. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And so it almost, almost like that, but like, that's something that like, you can't put any stock into. It's irrelevant. It's not credible. It's not timely. It's everything that you want to avoid when you're looking for any type of review of something. Mm -hmm. Um, Looking at it from the academic side, Sam, this is something that should be avoided for anyone who wants to actually look at a document that's properly evaluated. And this individual simply doesn't know what evaluated means. So Sam, they just are an idiot. (laughs) And look, it's a man. (laughs) Wow. Sorry, men's, but, you know, we've had a really bad experience with this, you know, Turbo Cola movie and just like the gentleman behind it. Yeah. No one's doing it justice. I don't know. It just, it irked me as like, because the source material is set in a convenience store. While it's set on a stage, the reason the movie is in a convenience store is because I put it there. (laughs) Like the first, the first meeting when we were discussing the possibility of doing this movie the producer asked, well, could we set it in a restaurant? Because I have access to a restaurant. And I was like, no, I set it in a convenience store. Yeah. If I wanted it in a restaurant, I would have written it in a restaurant. (laughs) Yeah, it'd be called (laughs) 
<laughs> New Year's Eve at the restaurant. Yeah. <laughs> like, you don't even need to read my fucking play to know that it's set in a convenience store. It's in the fucking title. It's in the title. <laughs> fucking idiot. Use the test to take the test. What the fuck? Like, that's literally the definition of common sense, yeah. and there isn't any. And it might just be my general annoyance with other movie reviewers that's been growing for the past three years of, you know, just people who open their horror movie reviews with, I'm not really a horror movie fan. So let me shit on this movie for 500 words. I don't really know a lot about horror, but let me just say- why are you reviewing this? uh, Yeah, like go do what you like to do that you like actually have a background in. Like, what the fuck? But anyway, just had to vent. Uh, We're a small podcast. Uh, We'll probably never hear this, but if he does- whatever whatever like just whatever you're an editor-in-chief <laughs> if you're not gonna put in the work to write a thorough review that's just reading the title of the play and connecting dot mm-hmm. one to dot two <laughs> yeah I swear I'm a really nice person I've just been through a lot these past two years you are a nice person it's just that these other individuals that you're just surrounded by just like idiots <laughs> push sucks. and push and push and my mean girl comes back out and anyway I the play premiere was a very healing experience for me because of everything I've gone through with the movie it was emotional to see my yeah. vision finally come to fruition yeah. and even David said he got a little emotional because the very first reading we did was just with a group of friends in a church basement back in January, 2020. And yeah. so for it to finally come to this moment of people, a pretty full audience, I won't say it was sold out, but m- the majority of the seats were filled. Nice. It was just laughing at my jokes, connecting with the characters. It was just, even if I wasn't even if people didn't acknowledge me as the playwright after the show during the little reception, yeah, it still would have felt nice to hear like the positive reaction to what I wrote. Right, exactly. <laughs> Which oddly enough, it made me feel young again because I'm turn- turning 29 this year. So I'm yeah. always afraid that I'm entering the older spectrum of playwrights. Not a lot of people realized I was the playwright because I'm still so young. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> the fact that I wrote a play about Y2K at 29 when I was six years old when it happened. Yeah. But yeah, it was a very rewarding experience. And there will be another production of this in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania on December 29th, 2022. Oh, One fabulous. night only. One night, year. Yeah. <laughs> one night only <laughs> one night only but yes. it'll be a good time oh that sounds really nice oh cool cool I, I will probably try to get my ass over there at that point yeah. it's like three feet away from you it is practically <laughs> yeah I mean there's um, like two cities in Pennsylvania and you live in one of them basic exactly it's just it's just Pittsburgh and Philadelphia and that's that and then the only thing that connects the two of us is one long highway and that's it it's like Mm -hmm. it's like the transcontinental railroad but um ah so Sam I have one quick question for you before we wrap up and it's regarding um you know your play like a porcelain doll and I think you recently renamed it yes Um, it's a title let's hope you feel better now are you gonna try to put that to stage anytime yeah it was it was on stage back in october oh really yeah 
Oh, I would, that that's my favorite one still. And I would love to see yeah. that. So let me know if you're ever trying to shop that around again. Yeah. It premiered at Mad Lab in Columbus, Ohio. You probably didn't click because I did retitle it and I was advertising Shit. it under that title. Um, but no, that one premiered in October and it did very well. One critic said it's the best example of its genre in recent memory. Mm-hmm. That's so cool. <laughs> I'm oh, very, okay. I'm very I'm starting humble. to remember Mad Lab though. And you talking about that. Oh, Sam, that's because I had a Halloween party that weekend, I think, because I had mm-hmm. it right before Halloween. I think so. Oh, shit. Well, let me know if you're um, working that anytime soon in the next couple of years, because I will get my ass out there because yeah. I, I know that New York New Year's Eve and Stop and Go is amazing, but I still love that one. <laughs> uh, we actually, David and I filmed it, so I can send you a copy of it. Oh, that would be cool. Because that's another one. I, I believe yeah. I wrote it and in the theater world, you know, the playwright is God, directors and producers can't really do anything. Otherwise playwrights could go all diva and pull their play yeah. from production. But I'm pretty chill, all things considered with Turbo Cola. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like the issue there was, I can get over the heist plot, but I can't get over how I was treated as a business partner. Anyway, I believe that directors should direct and actors should act. And in the theater world, because of COVID-19, because of the pandemic, I think one of the things a lot of theaters are doing is figuring out other ways to mitigate the risk. And one of that is eliminating the intermission. So Porcelain Doll, let's hope you feel better, whatever you want to call it, does actually have an intermission. However, Mad Lab did not use that intermission. Instead, so act one ends with a murder um, Mm -hmm. and the mother and daughter discussing how to dispose of the body. So instead of taking an intermission, they have a hazmat team come in and clean up the blood, replace the couch, replace the rug, all set to a very chipper um, (laughs) song, like, um, imagine me and you, I do. Oh, well, that's not a chipper song. That song's creepy. (laughs) Well, it's kind of chipper. It's chipper if you use the chipper version, but you ever hear the creepy version? Do you ever see the movie Mm -mm. Stepfather? Ooh, they got to cover that. Oh, it's, been a, it's been a while since I've seen The Stepfather. But That's cool, the, though. That's the so director cool. inserted that and she didn't like tell me about it. She didn't ask me about it. Yeah. But I thought that was like one of the best things I've seen. That is it so was so cool. funny. Yeah, you're just like, shit, this is great. Like I was just confused. There was no intermission, but I loved it. Yeah. Uh, and, this, fabulous. <laughs> and this past director for Stop and Go, yeah. uh, for for my script, Austin just the main character Austin just says, "Oh, hey, it's after midnight." When he looks at a clock, but instead, they added um, offstage firework effects, lighting effects that yeah. you see through the door, and I thought that worked so much better. So I'm putting that in my script. Oh, because uh, it's New Year's Eve, so after yeah. the ball drops. Yes, that's so clever. So, yeah. So huh. I'm a pre- I, I'm a chill playwright. Director should direct. Actors should act without a bunch of my interference. Yeah, and you never know whenever you work with a really great director, sometimes they can add little little quirky things that you end up really loving, you know, it's really cool. Um, yeah, so that's excellent. Uh, well, fabulous, thank you for answering my question. I'm sorry I like missed it, but I, I did know about it. I, I just for, simply forgot about it. Um, it's fine, you weren't ready to leave the house yet. <laughs> yeah, and that too. Um, oh, speaking but, uh, of which, I saw that you went to your first concert. Yeah, I went to go see Jack White um, on last 
uh, fuck, last Thursday now. Jeez, it's been like a week and a day now because time is flying. But yeah, the last show I saw was actually when I was living in Alexandria still and Muse came to town because oh, they had just- Had it really been that long? Yeah, because they just released drones and it was like 2016 or something. And it's really been that long because I went to the Verizon Center then with Luke. And then after that, we we couldn't go because when we moved back, it was 2018 and we were starting to plan the wedding. Mm-hmm. And then we got married in 2018. And then in 2019, I wanted to go to like two shows, but we couldn't go to either because of Luke's job. We couldn't get there because the work schedule. Oh, I think that was, I think that was part of the issue with uh, Matt yeah. going to Columbus to see my other world premiere was because of Luke's job. Yeah, because all these shows, people tour a lot in the fall. And then when he had his old job, he had to constantly be working all these football games, which are Friday night, Saturday after, you know, whatever. And it just like really um, throws a wrench in any type of plans you want to make. Uh, and so I couldn't see Rack and Cheers. I couldn't see Queens of Stone Age, couldn't do all that. And then 2020 happened. So of course mm-hmm. we didn't see any shows then. And then last year, a little shaky, but this year Jack White released a new album. He went on tour. He came right to Pittsburgh and I was like, oh, I just want to go see Jack White. And we did. And you know what? It was fabulous. So yeah, yeah. I finally got out of the was house. It, it was an, um, yeah. an intimate venue. No, it was in a large venue, um, but it wasn't the biggest. It was okay. like a medium size because it was at a basketball stadium at a, at uh, Pitt's campus in mm-hmm. Oakland and Pitt's like a really big college in, in Pittsburgh. And um, it's called uh, the Peterson Event Center and they have a lot of stuff there. And so uh, it's just, they set it up for a concert and um, mm-hmm. we had like the VIP seating. So we sat in chairs um, and, you know, and not stood on the floor. And I, I really liked it. Um, and it was nice. And uh, didn't, I didn't have a mask on, you know, but like at that point I had a pretty good comfort level mm-hmm. um, because it wasn't like, and I was actually disappointed to see that it wasn't like a full house pack show, <laughs> um, but uh, mm-hmm. there's plenty of people on the floor and I wasn't on the floor. So yeah, it was nice though. And I was really glad to get out there, but you know what, Sam, it's been so many years since I've been to a show that like my body hurt the day after, <laughs> like I was tired. I felt awful. My ears were ringing. I was like, Oh my God, like what, what am I? Like, I'm only 29. Like I'm not that old. <laughs> yeah. So I've seen two two concerts not counting like little things we've gone to that are just five dollars to enter yeah but we saw Jonathan Colton last June Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and then we saw Mountain Goats this December and both were small eh, medium-ish venues yeah um still requiring masks for everybody but for Mountain Goats I wanted to stand up next to the stage because they're my favorite band but mm-hmm. I just, I couldn't make it through the opening act. I was, I was thirsty. I was, <laughs> I have a bad habit of locking my knees when I stand. Oh no. So I couldn't stop doing that. And I told David, we need to move up to the balcony. Otherwise I'm going to faint. <laughs> but I was not the person to faint. A college age girl was with, as we were leaving head to the balcony, yeah. um, she was on the ground and people were clearing a path for her to get her off the floor. Yeah. And I was like, okay. I'm not the wimp here. And yeah, there's always one fainter. Yeah. So David and I ended up sitting in the balcony 
with the rest of the old people. But, you know, that was actually nice because I could get some really good, really cool video of the stage that I wouldn't have been able to see from the floor. Yeah. And I still met the band afterwards. So that was fine. Cool. What I'm really nervous about is I've had MCR tickets for two years now. Oh shit, that's right. And that's going to be an arena show. Oh, so <laughs> even though, you know, there's some comfort going mm-hmm. to these smaller shows, yeah. an arena show still just seems so, so big, intimidating to me. Yeah. That's, that's like the moment when I would like wear a, like a mask at that yeah. point. Um, uh, we had a fainter at our show too, but they were on the floor and you always know because you see all the security guards have to go over there. <laughs> didn't see what happened to them but I noticed that it did happen <laughs> it did indeed it happened in the intermission between the opener and Jack White so like there was no music happening it was mm. just waiting and so maybe they do lock their knees too I don't know <laughs> yeah but I think that's all I have right now me too it's a great conversation I'm glad to be back I'm glad that we're back again after busy weeks can't wait to watch this new British horror film. Yeah, I'm excited (laughs) to get back into it. It's like all British for us now because the originals are all like British people. Yeah. (laughs) I love it. All right, man. Well, join us next week when we cover the movie. (laughs) Choose or die. Thank you. I have not written, I failed to write it down. Choose or die. Fabulous. All right, you guys, I'll see you next time. Yeah. Why? Boy. Boy. <laughs> I let the creepy die. That always fun.